Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mike Rabel apparently learned his lesson last year about speaking too soon or too definitively. He and Rand Carthen apparently are trying to learn all they can this year about the uh, the top quarterbacks available in the draft. The uh, the Titans have a history. Will we learn anything more about that history this season based on how they look on a particular, how they dress, shall we say, on a particular Sunday? All that and more in this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast with our usual crew to dissect all the important issues surrounding this team at the moment. Denard Walker, former Titans cornerback. Denard, how are you, sir? I'm doing good this evening. How are you and how are you doing today, David? Doing great. John Glennon, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are also. Doing great. And I am David Beauclair. And I need to remind you that uh, the Believe in Titans podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting. Everything from pro and college basketball, or what, at least what's left of the latter. Uh, to the UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game starts. All right, gentlemen. Mike Rabel and Rand Carthen met the media again this week at the NFL owners meetings, as they did a few weeks back at the Combine. This week, Mike Vrabel was asked about Ryan Tannehill once again, and uh, and he said in part, but to make predictions, I think I've been through this last year. I'm not going to commit to anybody being on our roster in September. I've seen it change too quickly. Of course, we want Ryan as our quarterback and everyone else that's helped us win. That's what we want. Of course, he said last year that as long as he was coach of the Tennessee Titans, uh, A.J. Brown would be part of that team. And uh, weeks later, A.J. Brown was a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike Rabel, of course, remained head coach of the Tennessee Titans and had his uh, had his worst season to date. So uh, so, John, we'll start with you. How uh, how much more comfortable should, if at all, Ryan Tannehill feel right now based on that sort of uh, reassurance? Uh, very little, in, in my <laughs> opinion. I, I hardly think that was definitive. Ryan is our man. He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us forward in the in the fall. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, I, I think some of it certainly was, uh, you know, Mike Bribble probably being a little bit gun shy after talking about A.J. Brown and saying as long as I'm here – you know, uh, you're not going anywhere. 
uh, you know, and, and then later we learned further texts that he had sent to A.J. Brown, you know, uh, this came from Darren Bates' podcast that, you know, he had told A.J., uh, you know, uh, all this trade talk is nonsense as far as I'm concerned, so on and so forth. So I feel certain some of it at least is uh, Mike Brable being a little gun shy following that. You know, he he didn't like to to have to eat his words basically at the presser after A.J. Brown was traded last year. But still, at, at the same time, you, you feel like if Ryan Tannehill was coming on and, and the Titans were, were coming off years like they did in, in 2019 or 2020 when, when Ryan Tannehill was lighting it up, when the, when the Titans were, were winning game after game, you don't think, at least I don't think there would be that hesitation, that, that kind of wishy-washiness. Um, so, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like if I'm Ryan Tannehill – uh, I'm still not sleeping any sounder uh, at this point. I guess he basically just has to uh, sort of expect the unexpected, go about his training, uh, you know, try to recover from his injury and, and uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, you know, stay prepared for, for anything that might occur in the next few weeks. If I had to still have to make a guess, I would still say that Ryan Tannehill is the guy moving forward. But that statement there does, does nothing to, to comfort him. Denard, as a player, does Ryan Tannehill pay attention to anything Mike Vrabel or Rand Carthens say about him in the media, or or is is it you know do you, do you have a direct line of communication with those guys where you say, hey, just talk to me, tell me what I need to know, and 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 I'm good to go here for the the off season, whatever. Well, he's not paying attention to us. Let's just say that. Right. That's just the way it works. You know, I was the same way. And I'll be honest with you, John and David, we don't pay as a former player. You do not pay any attention of what's going on outside of the building. And what I mean by that is you can only control what you can control. I've been in that situation before. You know, I've been. Uh, back in 2000, after a bad year, you know, what was that, that Super Bowl, unfortunately, I played terrible. And then there was all of these speculations that Donald Mitchell was going to be the left cornerback coming in 2000. Do you think that I paid any attention to, to that? No. What you do is go out there and handle your business. And that's what RT's been doing since he's gotten to Nashville. David, this is not his first rodeo. You know, they ousted him out of Miami. We know what happened. He ends up coming to Tennessee. He revitalizes his career. He revitalizes his career. He's been one of the most consistent players on that team. And last, let's not uh, let's not forget last year he was having a, a really good football season until he got injured. Yeah, that, that's right. And uh, you know, by all accounts, he is in the building and, and he is rehabbing the ankle and and putting that sort of work in still. So it, it's not like he's in Florida off on his own. The only you know, the only sort of contact he has with the team is through media reports or whatever. You would think uh, you would you would think he has a pretty clear picture of where he stands. But uh, but but I agree with John. I, I you know, the 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 lack of uh, of a complete definitive, you know, Ryan is our guy. There's there's no there's no concerns about that. You know, Rand Carthen sort of addressed this in, in similar terms. A couple of weeks ago, it it, it just uh, you know it feels like it very much the case of yes, he is the quarterback right now, but but we're we're open to change if somebody can can change our mind, I, and I think we've said that here. Um, what what it will take to change the Titans' mind, 
I don't know. It, is it uh, is it the opportunity to draft a quarterback in the first round, sitting at number eleven? There's there's some talk that that one of the top young quarterbacks could fall to the Titans at number eleven. Of course, at number eleven, they're within range of of the, getting into the top ten. You know, do you have to get to nine to eight wherever to get one of these guys? Uh, but it, it's been reported by the team's official website that that Rand Carthen was at Ohio State to to watch C.J. Stroud's pro day. He was at Alabama to watch Bryce Young's pro day, and uh, and at Kentucky to uh, to watch Will Levis's, and and plans to be at Florida to see Anthony Richardson. And uh, Mike Vrabel is going to be at Tennessee to to see Hendon Hooker. So they are uh, they they are looking at these guys. And, uh, you know, the question is, uh, is it, is it simply their, their due diligence, which is the, the company line right now, or is there, uh, is there a serious interest in, in getting one of these guys? Uh, John, how, how do you, how do you look at that? What do you, what do you think the, the thought process is in terms of, uh, the young quarterbacks right now? Seems to me they are taking a very, very hard look at the quarterbacks. Now, granted, when you go to a pro day, you are not only going to watch, in most instances, one player, you know, so in, in addition to quarterbacks, you, you know, you're seeing every a prospect, a team like Alabama or Ohio State or, uh, you know, Kentucky or, or whoever uh, has out there. Um, just the same, you know, I, I think Rand Carthen in, in his interview on the team's website, you know, made it pretty clear that his first three trips were uh you know Kentucky uh Alabama and Ohio State and and uh, I think tomorrow which will be Thursday uh that he was going to be seeing Florida's pro day which is Anthony Richardson down there so to me I, I kind of think of it uh this way you know you're gonna probably at least in my opinion I think you're gonna hold on to Ryan Tannehill for this year but I, I would suspect that's gonna be the last year you know it's the last year of his contract in all likelihood Unless the, unless we see an extension, so you're gonna have to have somebody, you know, the, the following year. So you know, why not go after him this year if you think he's good enough? If if you think there's a quarterback out there that's good enough, fits the system that that can win, this seems like a very good year to do it. Because how often are you gonna be at eleven and and not have to move up, not have to give up necessarily an arm and a leg to move up? You know, most seasons with Mike Vrabel here. They've, they've drafted higher because they've had a better record. So it, it seems like a pretty good, you know, place to uh, to go for the quarterback here. And then after that, I think the question becomes, you know, are, are you moving up a, a little bit uh, and maybe thinking of a, of a Will Levis or a Anthony Richardson, or are you really getting bold and, and maybe moving up, you know, to say that uh, number two or three spot there, I guess I should say number uh number three spot and and get you know maybe a Bryce Young if if the uh speculation seems to hold right now that that Carolina uh you know maybe favors CJ Stroud uh there at, at number one and you look at, at at Bryce Young and the numbers he has put up and also the fact that he played for for Bill O'Brien offensive coordinator there we know that Bill O'Brien has ties to Mike Vrabel he has ties to Tim Kelly you know, probably good scouting uh, in in that respect. So I think that becomes the next question. If we're going to go for a quarterback, how far do we want to go up and who do we want to go for? Or do we want to just stay pat 
and and hope that Sergeant Anthony Richardson is still around at number eleven. You, you make uh, you make an interesting point in that the you know with Ryan Tannehill under contract for one more season, the, the Titans do have sort of the luxury of time regardless of what they decide in this. So, but, but Denard, so I'll ask you is, is the Titans apparent interest in these quarterbacks more of a statement on how they feel about Ryan Tannehill or about Malik Willis? Do you think? I think it's more of a statement about the future because uh, if you look at it, David, you got to have what next year, Ron would be 35 uh, when the season starts. So not to mention, I think it's safe to say we're not talking much about Malik here. Last year, we was having a lot of conversation about Malik Willis. So where is he in the equation? That's why I want to ask you two, because last year we were raving about um, his accuracy, his arm strength, his ability, uh, his ability to throw those tight passes, uh, his athleticism, the fact that he can run what he did at Liberty. And now all of a sudden, where do we put Malik in this equation? Because you can go out right now and let's say, do you anticipate CJ Stroud at number 11? I don't think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be gone. So are you sold on Richardson, Anthony Richardson at Florida? No, I don't think he's the future for this Tennessee teams. What about next year? Do you think that you can say, listen, let's go ahead and go with RT. We have Malik coming back for a second year. He can only get better, hopefully. And maybe if it's a if it's a bad move this year, you still got Caleb Williams next year. I mean, that could be a possibility uh, for the future. Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. Where where does Malik Willis stand with this organization right now? And I can't get past. I know we talked about it here. I can't get past Rand Carthen talking about how he likes quote unquote anticipatory passers, and uh, you know Malik Willis may be a lot of things. Right now, for certain, he is not an anticipatory passer. He's a guy who wants to see his receiver open or coming open before he gets in the ball. He will not, you know, he will not throw to a spot and trust that the receiver is going to be there. That was a, uh, you know, that, that anybody who watched him saw that. Mike Vrabel talked about it publicly. It, it, it creates an interesting sort of in draft dynamic to me if if the titans get one of those guys at 11 and you're starting to hear a lot more buzz about you know for a long time it was those four quarterbacks it was uh it was young stroud uh levis and richardson and now you're starting to hear more about hendon hooker in that conversation and uh you know hooker hooker is is an interesting prospect to me because he's he's played a lot of football played in two different systems was productive at 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 both places and and whatnot and all of a sudden when you're when you're talking about 11 and and you know can one of five quarterbacks get to 11 i think uh i think absolutely that's possible so to me it, it creates this scenario if the Titans get a quarterback either at number 11 or they move up a few spots to get one on the first day of the draft, then maybe you spend the, the day Friday, those hours leading into the draft, which usually starts, what, about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock maybe, Central Time. You, you have all day to shop Malik Willis, and there's probably a good chance that somebody out there really likes Malik Willis and, and would would give you a, a, a nice draft pick or two to uh to to get him and and uh and take their chances with him. So uh, I mean let's forward the question to you, John. I mean where where does Malik Willis stand with this team right now? And and is this 
Is there is the Titans' apparent interest in these young quarterbacks more a statement about about Willis than it is about uh, Ryan Tannehill? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both because they realize Ryan Tannehill is is coming to the end of a contract and and is not a young man. Um, and, but I think at the same time, like like David, you said you you had trouble getting past the uh, the phrase anticipatory throwing. For me, the the or what I have trouble getting uh, past. Uh, is the pretty obvious uh, last year that that you know towards the end of the year after Malik Willis had already started multiple games for the Titans after he had been with the Titans all off season and through the bulk of the season when they needed somebody in a desperate situation that they needed to win with they picked up a guy you know uh, off a practice squad who'd never started an NFL game and started him in uh, you know a week and a half later after after he arrived. And Tennessee, and and I have I have trouble with that, and I, and I realize no no one was expecting Malik Willis to start as a rookie. I I, I realize that there there's growth and, and that that he's a project as well. But to me that that just I don't know I, I have trouble getting past that that red flag there that after having starts after having spent so much time he was not the guy that the Titans said all right you know you're you're our guy go win us a game uh, get us in the playoffs. No, it was it was Josh Dobbs. So to me. I, I don't know. I, I have trouble thinking that that he is the future, even though you know there, there, he's going to be better certainly. But I I think that they have difficulty looking at him as the future right now, and that's why I think um, there's a good chance they're looking at a quarterback. And, and we should say Josh Dobbs, of course, is is out of the picture. He is uh, he has gone back to Cleveland, and uh, you know there there was some I know there was some interest among Titans fans of of maybe giving him a, a another shot to see how uh, how that played out. Uh, it, it Denard, if if it if it happens that the Titans don't get a quarterback, you you still comfortable with Malik Willis as number two going into this season? Yes, because he's only a rookie. You know, let's not forget this is his first year there. So I, I wasn't anticipating Malik coming in this year and lighting it up, lighting it up. And then not to mention, you know, Ron went down. So he was thrown in the mix. Let's not forget that Malik went into Arrowhead and pretty much outplayed Patrick Willis. Now, I know, listen, I, well, I wouldn't say outplayed, but I mean, for the most part, Tennessee did have a chance to win the game. But that's what you want to see out of the young guy. Listen, he struggled this year. You got new, a new offensive coordinator in Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly is magnificent when it comes to developing quarterbacks. Right now, let, let's just be honest. Malik is a work in progress. I don't, I don't anticipate rookies coming in and making that huge of a jump. And then, so let's just say you did get someone like Will Levis. What if Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson was there? I mean, do you think that they're going to come in right away and light it up? I don't. I'm not anticipating that. What happens if they struggle? Yeah, I, that's it, why I think you, you stick with Ryan Tannehill. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and then, and you can add a veteran, uh, you know, to to be a third guy on the I mean, practice squad, whatever, you know, kind of as you did with Logan Woodside, and uh, you know, maybe somebody with even a little more experience than Woodside, where you you give yourself. Uh, you know, you give yourself options should Ryan Tannehill get hurt again. And, and you you can say, is this a game we can win with Malik Willis the way we did at Houston last year? 
Uh, although presumably Willis would be able to do more in his second year than just throw 10 passes in a game and, and help the Titans win? Or or do you say we've got this guy on the practice squad, You know, whether it's a, another Matt Barkley type or Trevor Simeon, guys who have had that job, Kevin Hogan? Um, you know, Let's not guys forget been... Blaine Gabbard out there, Davey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, listeners. I'm kidding. Kidding. Blaine Gabbert will not be back. No, Blaine Gabbert will not be back. But you know, Denard, you you uh you raised the uh the possibility a short time ago here of a uh, uh of a bad enough season that that potentially the Titans could be in position to draft uh, a Caleb Williams, for example, next year. And and let's uh let's note that our friends at Bet Online uh have projected the the over under for the Titans win total at seven and a half. Uh, for 2023, which means they're they're looking at them as as basically about a, as competitive as a team as they ultimately turned out to be last year. If that sounds unpleasant to you, consider that there are only five teams with lower over under win projections for this season. They are uh, they are Green Bay, Indianapolis, Green Bay at seven, Indianapolis, Tampa Bay at six and a half. Arizona at five and a half and uh and Houston at five and a half. John uh, is seven and a half a good number? Where would you fall on that? What do you think uh what do you, how accurate do you think a number that is for this team right now? Uh, my initial reaction was, hey, I'd, I'd put down a dollar on the over on that. I mean, uh, you know, the uh the Titans in, in fact they've, they've done very well up until last year. Uh, you know, hitting the over in terms of projected season wins. I think they were from 2017 to 2021, they were only one of of, of two teams. The the Titans and the Saints were the only teams that either hit their projected win totals or went above each of those five years. So last year, you know, you would think is the anomaly, uh, you know, when they did not reach that and you say, why was it an anomaly? Well, certainly the, the injuries uh, the key players and, and the, the failure to replace A.J. Brown adequately, uh, you know, c- come into play there. So, my, yeah, my initial thought was, yeah, I, I, I put a dollar on the on the over there. But then, you know, I I, I looked at the opponents uh, and start trying to add up the wins. And I'm saying, all right, I'm going to give you Houston, two. I'm going to give you a sweep of the Texans. I'm going to give you a break even with Indy and Jacksonville. I'll give you a win over Atlanta at home, Desmond Ritter. The Panthers, I believe, is at home also, uh, and maybe at the Bucks. Uh, and and all of a sudden, you're at seven wins there. And I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not too sure. All of a sudden, you got the Ravens, you got uh, Seattle, you know, Pittsburgh, Browns. They're all possible, but it, it wasn't as sure a thing as I as I started going through the opponents there. Um, and, and it's, you know, we, we should, of course, preface this by saying it's March, you know, and we don't know what this roster is going to look like, you know, in another month, couple months, three months, whatever it is, we might be looking at the roster and saying, oh, yeah, that's a nine win team. Or or on the other hand, maybe that's a five win team. But um, as of right now, I kind of changed my mind after my initial gut feel. I'm, I'm kind of looking at more like a uh, more like a seven Win season. I have to put my dollar on on under at this point. At this point, yeah, I, I you know, I would have before twenty twenty two. I would have been willing to bet that a, a Mike Vrabel team 
would not lose seven games in a row. I, I mean, it, it just they're always competitive. They always have a good plan. They they're you know there's they're in a division with with some that never seems to have everybody strong at the same time. It's uh, it, it, you know I, it, so I would I would have a year ago I would have said anything in that neighborhood is is ridiculous, but you know. We saw them lose seven in a row. We saw them finish at seven and ten. We saw them just not be able to find answers down the stretch last year. And and you know the the offensive line has been torn up. Is it? Are you going to be able to put that thing together in a way that that Derrick Henry can get back to doing some Derrick, Derrick Henry things and Ryan Tannehill can stand in the pocket and make the the decisions he wants to? Uh, uh, again, it, it it's only March. There's a there's a lot of time, and and Rand Carthen said that as much this week too. That there's there is still time to add to this roster and and do some things that they want to do. But uh, but but right now seven. You know, I think seven and a half is a really good number because it's a seven or eight seems to be about the the max for me in in terms of what this team can uh, can can muster. Uh, Denard, how, how do you look at it? it, it I mean, this it, again, I, I'm sure I'm sure this is as a former player, this is the kind of discussion that that you really dislike. But uh, but is is seven and a half a good over and under number for this I team? I don't remember having this conversation in March. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me let me ask you this then. I mean, guys will look around the locker room when they when they gather here in a couple of weeks for the start of OTAs. Mm-hmm. Guys will know, won't they? Hey, we're a good team, or we're a better team than people think we are, or God, there's just not enough guys here. I mean, if if the, the guys in the room will 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 they not look at that in, that in those terms? No, you always have a belief that you're a good team. What's the reasoning of going out there and practice? Everybody believes at the start of the season that they have a chance to win it all. And when I was looking at this Tennessee right now, looking at everything, let's say it's just March. It was interesting. I said, John, I was actually going to match you, but let's not forget that this was a team that was seven and three before the injuries. Now, and we, darn near beat Kansas City, by the way. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. They had that game <laughs> in Kansas City, and that was demoralizing. Let's not forget. But what was interesting is that the Titan is, Titans are one of seven teams that open at seven and a half games. It's the fourth lowest, fourth lowest opening odds in the NFL. And this is a team that other, you know, they were decimated by injuries. Let's not forget, John. Let's not forget, David. They did fire their general manager uh, midseason. That was a huge loss, and it was a distraction. And we talked about that being a distraction, which ended up hindering that team going forward. Let's not forget right now, we're talking about last week, we alluded to the fact Kevin Byard declining to take a pay cut. That can be another demoralizing hit for this organization. And last but not least, there was some talk about, and Rand Carthon saved his behind. He says, no, I didn't say that, but there were some allegations earlier on about the King being shopped around uh, destination Miami. I would say, please don't send the King to Miami. <laughs> but again, there is a lot of distractions. So right now I'm going to have to go under because they have so many issues. But this was a big hit. Look at some of the key players that they lost this offseason. I know um, – Bud Dupree, we talked about him being injured. He was kind of a, a non-factor this year. Robert Woods, I, I like Robert Woods. He was, hey, he showed up when his numbers called. He's not in Green Bay. Ben Jones, that's a huge hit. 
Let's Taylor LeJuan, Mr. Cons- you know, Taylor Hay. When he's on the field, he's one of the best left tackles in the business. But again, his time was up. But the biggest hit, and that's why I'm going under, is, man, they let Austin Hooper walk in free agency. That, to me, I'm I'm telling I still have a headache, and I'm like, Rand, how did y'all let Austin Hooper go to Las Vegas? You're talking about one of your most consistent players on offense last year. Chigo Conquo. <laughs> oh, I, I, I ain't gonna give Chig. I'm not gonna praise him yet. He's still a rookie, David. <laughs> yeah, but they, I, they, I mean, I, I think I think that's a that's a big part of it, though. I think uh, I, I think you look at uh, look at what Chig Okonkwo did, and and coaches and management say, okay, let's let's get more opportunities for him to be on the field, and uh, and and we'll try. And I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I I like to see a guy do it for two years before I make a huge. Uh, uh-huh huge commitment to him for that. I mean, but, uh, but I, I think that probably had to, had to factor into the thinking there. It's, uh, but the, but they need some, I mean, Chico Conquo is not going to be your, your inline slash pass catching guy as well. And that was a little bit of the role. I'm not saying Hooper was a great blocker, but he could do a little bit more. And that's just never certainly the early part of the year. They were asking him to do it a lot. Yeah, right, right, uh, and that's something that that Chig is is not. You know, he's not going to fill that kind of role. He's your pass catcher. He's your your motion tight end. You know, your your you know H back kind of tight end if necessary. But they they certainly need to find someone who can both block and catch passes. And and you know, yeah, to the Nard's point, I mean, Hooper's numbers weren't huge, but he made some big catches last year. You know, a lot of third down, uh, tough contested catches. Uh, I, I thought he was a guy that they might, you know, resign. I, I thought it would be worth resigning him also. Yeah, well, that's uh, that, and that is. I'm glad you guys brought that up because that is a uh, that is a story that I think has been underplayed in Nashville and and it just in general with discussions with this team. There's you know, there's been so much attention paid to the the offensive line and to the and to the salary cap cuts and this sort of thing that, you know, and Austin Hooper who came in here and and did a lot of what they signed him to do last year, then they just they just let him walk. I mean, it was uh it, it was a good affordable contract that you got him on. It it felt like you know, this, this was an opportunity for something, some, you know, a really nice sort of relationship. And, and uh, now he's, now he's with the Raiders and he's Jimmy Garoppolo's guy, I guess. But uh, uh, you guys, you guys both mentioned in in talking about potential wins, uh, the opportunity to beat the Texans twice. And and certainly I think everybody in the division is looking at them this way, but uh, if that happens, there's also the uh, the possibility the Titans could kick the te- the Texans when they're down a little bit. In that, uh, for the first time, the uh, franchise officials have said the Titans will bring back uh, the throwback Houston Oilers uniforms for one game. Now they they did bring them back in the in an anniversary celebration for the AFL a few years back as part of uh, a league wide initiative. But this is this is the first time simply the Tennessee Titans doing a throwback game and there's a lot of speculation about whether that will be against the Houston Texans or not. Now, Denard, you joined this franchise in 97. So mm-hmm. your first year was here in, in Nashville in in Tennessee. Um, what was, was there a lot of, was there a lot of connection to Houston back then? And, uh, and how, you know, do you think it's, it's right that, uh, that that the uh, that the team would do it against the Texans. 
Well, I think it's fair, and let me say this, David, because you have to understand Houston is an expansion team. They've moved on. The divorce has been finalized. That was, what, 25 years ago, 1997, so everybody's moved on. What's disrespectful, now let's say if you're Baltimore and you go back to Cleveland, uh, that would be interesting if you decide you wanted to try to put some clothes <laughs> at Cleveland Browns. No, hey, the Baltimore wouldn't be leaving Cleveland. Uh, they would get out of there, but again – uh, Houston is an expansion team. Let's not forget that. This was an organization that was founded by the McNair family in 1999, and then they, uh, and then they started playing in 2001. So this is like Carolina. This is like Jacksonville now. This is not like a move where you're, you know, Oakland and you move to L.A. and then back to Oakland again. So it's like for Tennessee. It, it, and let me ask you something. Is this going to be a throwback of the the uniforms, the Love You Blues, where Earl Campbell and, you know, like what I, I wore? Uh, or is this going to go back to the days of Kenny Houston where the gray helmets, the, uh, what was it, the old school? I'm talking about the Houston Oilers in the 60s. No, this, is, this is going to be the Love You Blue. Oh! Like the Tennessee Oilers, I, uh, that, that should be noted. 97, 98, you were the Tennessee Oilers, and you still wore the blue with the with the white helmets and the, the red red and gray oil, Derek. So are they going to wear it in – it depends on where they're wearing Are they wearing it in Houston? No, they'd wear it here. That's, no, that's what I was about to say. They'll be okay if they wear it in Nashville. If they wear it in Houston – you better make sure they have some uh, good security down there to uh, escort them on the field and off the field and back to the airport and make sure they get home safe to Nashville. <laughs> John, fair or foul to do it against the Texans, or should they do it against somebody else? I'd say, what the heck? Spice spice up the rivalry. The AFC South needs a little rivalry, right? Let's uh, let, let's get things uh, you know stirred up a little bit. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, like, I don't think Nashville, for the most part, cares that much. You know, I, I don't think there's a great, um, you, you know, reminiscence of, of the Houston Oilers in Nashville. But obviously, the owner, you know, it's a different story because she is the daughter of, of Bud Adams, of course. And uh, we know all the all the history. And he was the, the original guy. Uh, um, but it's interesting to me that, that she wants to hold on to that so, so badly and, the, and that Houston – uh, you know, might might feel so badly they wanting the uh, um, you know to hold on to that history when the two sides divorced you know years and years ago. So what? Why now would would either side you know care so much about the past when there was a when there's a divorce? But uh, all that said, yeah, I'd, I'd say put them on when the uh, when the Texans come to town. Uh, you know, get get a little juice uh, rolling around here, uh, and and I think um, you know. My second choice, I was looking at the opponents again. Second choice, if they don't wear it with the uh, with the Texans, L.A. Chargers, uh, um, another original, uh, you know, AFL team along with the uh, the Houston uh, Oilers. Um, when the Oilers became the first league champs of the AFL, they defeated the Chargers in 1961, 24 to 16. So that would be very appropriate, I think, to uh, to wear them against the uh, the Chargers. It was the L.A. Chargers, actually, that one year before they went to San Diego. And then maybe third choice might be the Bengals. This is a team that's kind of manhandled you, uh, you know, the last three times here, or the last three times in general, two of them in Nashville. So if you want a little extra juice, get the crowd a little extra pumped up, maybe put them on against the Bengals. Let's keep in mind that the reason this franchise is named the Tennessee Titans is that folks in Nashville raised hell 
about <laughs> wanting a name change that they yeah. that they said that right. the Oilers are not our team and and Bud Adams finally finally gave in and said okay I you know I don't want to but but I will change the name it turned out to be a a, a good business decision I will say you know based on some of her business decisions I think his daughter has a little bit of a mean streak in her and I think uh you know probably hasn't forgotten the fact that the reason this team is in Nashville is Civic leaders and, and local government in Houston did not deal well with her father, left him what he felt was no choice but to leave. And this could be her her way to stick it to uh, to Houston all these years later. So the uh, the schedule will be forthcoming in the next few weeks and these things will become clearer. We will uh, we will look forward to that and much more. But that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.